Hey folks, uh, welcome to another ed- edition of the Mental Health Podcast. Um, I have Erica here with me um, and I'm excited and I can't wait for you guys to hear from her. Hey Erica, how are things with you? Hi there, it's good to be here Sanjay. I'm doing well, thank you for inviting me. Right. Yeah, um, so um, you know the, the usual uh, trend that I follow when I bring in people is I ask them like who they are so people get uh, an understanding of where you're coming from and sort of get some perspective on how you look at things as well so here you go floor is all yours yes thank you so um so as Sanjay said my name is Dr. Rika Torres I am a psychologist here in California uh, Mexican-American, and I um, have been working in the field for many years now, especially in the behavioral medicine space, uh, before mm-hmm. making a pivot into mental health tech, specifically around product and program design. I had been doing mm-hmm. some of that work before while I was also building uh, more traditional community-based and health system kind of programs, training programs for psychologists. Um, mm-hmm. I've been doing that as sort of a freelance for fun kind of um, work, and I decided that I wanted to do that full time. So that's what I'm doing now, bringing mm-hmm. in um, really uh, behavioral health, behavioral medicine perspectives, bringing in diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, and belonging um, into uh, creating programs and products that people will want to use and that they will benefit from in terms of their mental health journey. So I love it. And I'm just very excited to be able to share with you all and to hear some more about what what's on your mind as well, Andre. Yeah, um, thank you for sharing that. And, uh, you know, you mentioned a few important aspects like, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion. And, you know, and uh, me being a person of color and a first generation immigrant myself. um, And I feel like, you know, some of the voices that uh, I need to hear more of is people who aren't, you know, speaking loud enough or, you know, whose voices aren't being pulled into these conversations enough, um, right? Uh, to sort of say, hey, you know what? We understand what the problem is. You know, forget about the solution. Yeah. Let, let's, you know, try to understand what the problem is. So, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in terms of problem definition. And, you know, I just go back to the first question or the most basic question. What does mental health mean to you? So here you go. Yeah. Yeah, and I know we've chatted before, um, and I've shared quite a bit about how I think about mental health. Um, In a nutshell, I think mental health means bringing some harmony into our lives, um, and whatever that means for us as individuals. So we talk a lot about like work-life balance, and I think you know there's space for that, but I think there's also um, 
issues with that framing because how does one really balance right now like I, I have a visual of like us like juggling like 500 different balls right like it's going to be really hard if you're focused on quote-unquote balance it feels like an unattainable goal and that in itself actually can perpetuate feeling out of balance and you know depressed and anxious and angry and sad and frustrated and stressed out right so i think the the more i think about it the more i've reached a place of feeling um that the word harmony does it more justice because we're constantly prioritizing and reprioritizing you know work life you know etc um and being able to find some integration of those experiences in a way that aligns with our values is what i'm calling harmony right so how do i show up at work how do i show up at you know within my family how do i show up with friends how do i show mm. up when i take a vacation how do i mm. show up when i'm just at home relaxing can i be mm. at home relaxing right to me mm. all those things um signify they're basically a good um barometer of how our mental health is doing if we feel some sort of harmony in all the different mm -hmm. things that we're managing, then mm -hmm. I would say our mental health and wellness is probably okay or good. If mm -hmm. we're feeling a constant sense of um, struggle or like it's mm -hmm. just not compatible, then that's probably mm -hmm. a really good sign for us to reassess like what we're doing and what's most important and how our, you know, take a closer look at our mental health more mm -hmm. broadly yeah um thank you for uh, providing uh, a detailed perspective of like what mental health means to you and and i feel like you know we, we just can't talk about enough and like you know th there are the umbrella is so big at times you know uh, mm. like you were mentioning like there are 500 balls that we're trying to juggle and uh, you know it, it's so hard at times to sort of understand uh, how to sort of juggle and handle all of them together and get a barometer of like how we are sort of feeling at, at the moment. So, you know, um, since you come from a, you know, more diverse background and you said you were Mexican American as well. So, you know, I, I, I'm trying to understand like, you know, when somebody sort of tries to approach mental health, you know, what are some of the approaches that you suggest that you know people can take to sort of understand their mental health better or to sort of deal with their own sort of mental health um you know and how do people sort of get started from that standpoint as well so yeah yeah so i feel very passionately about uh meeting folks where they're at in terms of their own personal cultural like uh, generational experience uh even just like intersection intersecting identities all of that um, both when I used to provide direct care, but also as I build programs and products, as I train people, um, I like to remind us to um, think about those intersectionalities and bring those forth into the conversation. And so, you know, there's part of the challenge with mental health from like a Western perspective is that it does not necessarily build um, with diverse folks in mind it's usually the other way around these you know these systems and these approaches are created typically with like 
middle class, white, you know, young college mm -hmm. students. That's kind of like mm -hmm. what happens for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes primarily male. So it's very skewed when you think about the history. And then mm -hmm. after mm -hmm. these methodologies are created, um, mm -hmm. they are then eventually, maybe mm -hmm. decades later, tested on other, you know, uh, quote unquote, other folks, right? Mm -hmm. um, minority individuals and and there's some good work out there on you know like cbt and dbt and different things like that where it has been quote unquote adapted to serve the needs of diverse populations mm -hmm. um, and it's it's lacking as you can imagine right because it's like it's a bit of like round what is it round peg square hole um so mm -hmm. what i like to mm -hmm. I mean, there's i think there's ways in which our cultures can heal mm -hmm. I mean, it's a double-edged sword, but uh, like in the case of, you know, myself being Mexican-American, we have this mm -hmm. like, kind of saying around like la cultura cura, which means like culture heals. And what that mm -hmm. means really is tapping into how, what are some of the positive aspects of our culture that help us um, be resilient, but not in a toxic kind of resiliency kind of way where we're just like burdened by being resilient, but rather like, can we really tap into our strengths, um, our community, mm -hmm. our family, mm -hmm. our mm -hmm. abilities, our unique mm -hmm. differences, and how do we make sense of mental health? And how do we even mm -hmm. define mental health, right? Mm -hmm. So I think um, there, other cultures have similar right um, ways of thinking. Other non-white Western cultures, you know, I think about mm -hmm. Asian cultures where they have mm -hmm. things like Ayurveda or yoga or you know mm -hmm. things like that, right? That mm -hmm. become a part of um, the ways in which folks explain what's mm -hmm. going on, and they mm -hmm. also it also becomes part of the 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 solution right it becomes mm -hmm. part of the ad addressing of the problem and and it's oftentimes less pathologizing than going and receiving a diagnosis that may or may not fit exactly mm -hmm. how folks mm -hmm. are manifesting their symptoms mm -hmm. and that it might actually be really pathologizing and may not explain what it means like the diagnosis itself may be so obscure to the person receiving it that they're like mm -hmm. i have no idea what this means all i know is that I have headaches and stomach aches when my child disses me, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and I don't know how to make sense of that. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, I think it's really complex and we need to just take those into account. And there's a lot more folks out there now doing research on some of these quote unquote alternative medicines that mm -hmm. can be a part of the mainstream, um, mm -hmm. interventions. And one, one approach is called acceptance and commitment therapy. It's like a okay. wave, you know, behavioral science, evidence-based, but it's really looking more like Buddhist practice and mindfulness and elements mm -hmm. of tapping into folks' values and cultural ways of being mm -hmm. that um, that that's integrated into the approach since the beginning, even if it wasn't developed for diverse mm -hmm. people of color necessarily, the way mm -hmm. that act is adapted to uh, more diverse individuals, uh, LGBTQ plus folks, and just other folks with intersectionalities is mm -hmm. a little bit more accessible uh, because it mm -hmm. does tap into like your internal 
way it, it taps into metaphor it taps into storytelling which is very common mm -hmm. in some of our cultures so mm -hmm. um so i think that's that's why i love act so much and why i use it myself on myself <laughs> um and would definitely want folks to consider that when they're thinking about more formal ways of quote-unquote treating mental health wow yeah i mean i, I think um People forget the importance of storytelling. People forget, mm -hmm. you know, who they are because, like, they, they get sort of assimilated into a different culture, and especially like people who sort of migrate or immigrate into, mm -hmm. you know, different countries. And you know, I, I, I sort of uh, connected the dot when you said Mexican American, right? And you emphasize Mexican first before before the American aspect. Um, and you know, I I had. You know, a conversation with somebody else who uh, and she said she is Korean American and and I, I was just fascinated by, by that aspect where people say hey you know what you are you know Korean first and American and similarly you said you are Mexican first and American right so um, and this um, is a struggle for a lot of people because to so you know how do you sort of understand how do you define yourself and how do you sort of accept yourself and and I feel like um, uh, you know ACT is something that we don't hear enough about and you know we don't notice you know people sort of talking about um, you know w one thing that I wanted to sort of understand from your perspective, when you say Mexican American, you know, what does that mean? Like, how do you sort of define yourself when you call yourself Mexican American? Yeah, it's very complicated. I'm actually going through like a process of like reclaiming my Mexicanness a little bit more because mm -hmm. what happens with as an immigrant, and this may, may or may not be um, your experience, but I think there's elements of the immigrant experience that are shared across all of us. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, there's elements that are so unique, right? Depending on how we immigrated, et cetera. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think for me, I was born in Mexico and I came here when I was very young and I've been here mm -hmm. for many, many years now. And so mm -hmm. I'm noticing slowly that I am um, losing myself in my Americanness in a way that's super interesting, um, but also like I will never be American enough. And then I will mm -hmm. never be Mexican enough, right? Mm -hmm. I actually have a trip mm -hmm. planned this week to Mexico uh, to visit um, just as a tourist and I'm visiting some friends. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I just, it's just such a different, um, it's hard to explain, but basically as an immigrant, as a Mexican American or something, you know, American, whatever it is, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's often the case that we're straddling two cultures in a very mm -hmm. um, complex way and we don't mm -hmm. quite fit in here and we don't quite fit in there, right? And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that in itself can be very stressful if, mm -hmm. you know, as part of like that identity development and there's quite a bit of research on that. So for mm -hmm. me, I don't find it stressful at this point because I really embrace that this is who I am and I make the best of it. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I celebrate different holidays and I try to speak Spanish to my child and I speak Spanish with friends and family and, you know, um, mm -hmm. I'm using my Spanish language at work nowadays, which is super exciting uh, and new mm -hmm. and different. So I'm, there's a little bit more integration. Um, mm -hmm. 
So I think it really depends on the individual, but for me, it means harm again, coming back to harmony, not, you mm -hmm. know, it's like, how can I come to terms with it and mm -hmm. come back to acceptance, right? How can I come to terms with, how can I accept, how can I integrate that this mm -hmm. is who I am, mm -hmm. that I am proud of being who I am. Like I, I have mm -hmm. no, I have no qualms or issue about being one or, and, or the other. Um, mm -hmm. and I just, I've done a lot of personal work to arrive at this place. Um, but mm -hmm. also acknowledge like the privilege I have, mm -hmm. I have dual citizenship, for example. So that's unique and different. Not every immigrant is able to keep their citizenship right. urgent, right. For whatever political right. reasons. Right. Um, I'm also married to someone from India, from South Asia. Mm -hmm. So I feel very integrated into that culture. And so like my Mexican Americanness is actually shaped also by my honorary South Asian Indianness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like uh, I'm actually making arroz con leche and there's like a kid version. So I, I might put mango on my arroz con leche. Right. Other in law said mango kid was like the best. I'm like, okay. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I just try to like bring it all in and just make make the most out of uh those experiences and like really feel pride and being able to carry those out um and over to the next generation. And it's gonna be really mm -hmm. interesting, like raising a child who's like has multiple mm -hmm. identities and intersectionalities. Um mm -hmm. it's really really interesting um but yeah we celebrate holidays we try to speak mm -hmm. the language and we also are very aware of our privilege by being american by having mm -hmm. an american passport right which not everyone has the privilege to have right so um mm -hmm. not sure if that answers the question but it's, a, <laughs> it's very complex it's very complex it's what you make it really definitely uh, yeah. You know, I, 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 I totally get what you say when you say I can't be Mexican enough, you know, um, because like I, I get I have this struggle because like the longer you live in a different country, the more you get to used to, you know, certain things and the more you, um, you know, your identity sort of revolves around the place you are in, it sort of uh, gets uh, enmeshed almost into uh, you know some of the things that are spoken about, celebrated, and like you know uh, 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 it almost becomes routine for you. So like mm -hmm. you know, um, and the other thing that you mentioned made so much sense, wherein like you know uh, becoming a dual citizen is is a privilege as well because like you know uh, uh, if i were to become an american citizen india doesn't recognize or doesn't yeah. let me uh, let me hold on to my indian passport um, so you know uh, that is a privilege that uh, you know you validly sort of um, mentioned as well so that is the yeah. other thing and, and the last thing is like you know i feel like this constant sense of struggle uh wherein like um you sort of wonder you know where you actually belong um you know and and, and this sense of uh, struggle sort of drives uh you know me to become more curious and have conversations like this wherein like you know i'm trying to sort of understand you know different perspectives on what it means to be an immigrant what it means to mm -hmm. sort of live in a space where you didn't grow up in 
and you're trying to figure out you know uh, where you really sort of belong um can you talk a little bit about from from, from that standpoint where you say you lose some parts of your identity along the way right like you know uh, just your sort of experience around it and like how do you become comfortable to the aspect of saying hey you know what i'm i i'm not uh, you know uh, as mexican as people want me to be or like as people consider me to be uh, but you know i am you know okay with like losing that part of identity so like you know can can you talk a little bit from that standpoint yeah. well i mean it goes back to acceptance right so whether i am quote unquote okay or not that's just the nature of the situation right because i'm immersed in american culture and so i can't um disavow that right so i think part of it is just like acknowledging that that's inevitably going to happen you can't be two people at the same time you have to straddle right or even three right depending on like cultural background and then something has to give and i think that's where the acceptance comes into play um but i am at peace with it one of the things that i i had the insight the other day is like i i said i'm trying to practice spanish with my kiddo but it is a lot easier for me to speak in english i noticed and that was shocking to me because i'm fluent like i you know um i would consider myself fully bilingual spanish is my first language so and i you know i have all the grammar you know all the things and then suddenly i was like especially around expressing emotion or like trying to articulate a situation an interpersonal situation it's a lot easier for mm-hmm. me to go into english than go into spanish because a that's kind of how i think most of the day but mm-hmm. b um that's what my son understands best so i also don't want there to be like a misunderstanding in terms of our relationship when i'm trying to explain to him something in spanish and he's like what because he understands most things but he'll respond in english so mm-hmm. you know it's just coming to terms with like that is what is lost but then at the same time what is gained is a whole like breadth of understanding of multiple cultures and empathy around cultures outside of my own because mm-hmm. i have that bicultural bilingual experience mm-hmm. i can more easily empathize with other folks who might have mm-hmm. diverse experiences than mm-hmm. if i didn't and that's just the nature of like how our brain works and that's just you know what it is um mm-hmm. so i i see that as like an asset not so much like a liability and so that's mm-hmm. why it comes with it like yeah you know like when i go to mexico i probably sound and look and walk like a gringa i've been told which i thought was right. hilarious. <laughs> right <laughs> I said, never like i still don't know what that means but i'm like okay right. i get i am foreign right like it's true Um, right. and when I'm here in the US I think especially where I live it's a lot more you know welcoming and all that you know uh, at least on the surface so I don't mm-hmm. feel like an outsider necessarily but uh, because you know there's like a melting more of a melting pot in this country mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. know like but people will still my you know quote unquote microaggress and talk about how I don't have an accent or talk about my skin mm-hmm. tone or even if it's in a backhanded compliment right like oh how mm-hmm. beautiful my skin tone is or whatever mm-hmm. or beautiful mm-hmm. features and it's like okay right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um so that's always going to be there and i can like get hung up on that and just focus on that and be sad and depressed about it or i mm-hmm. can just move on and live mm-hmm. my life fully and mm-hmm. you know 
try to harmonize and integrate. So it's really a choice. And I do have that privilege to have that choice. There's other folks who are, mar you know, marginalized or, you know, living in unsafe situations or poverty or just other extreme situations that they don't have the privilege to actually pause and, you know, reflect on these things deeply. And they're just vi victims of, you know, abuse by the systems in different ways. So I, I want to acknowledge that. Um, and I think there's a lot of us out there who do have the privilege to choose to integrate and accept versus struggle and suffer, you know? So it is a choice. I do think it is a choice for, for many of us. Um, and it's how we arrive at that, basically. Definitely. I mean, um, yeah, I, I love the aspect where you said, you know, it's a choice between, you know, integration and acceptance uh, versus, you know, struggle and suffering. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was just mind blowing when I sort of heard that. Um, you know, uh, one thing that I've also heard is like the way the language is spoken. Uh, sort of has its impact on people as well, wherein like, you know, you go to Mexico and, you know, the the, the slang, the, the usage of the language itself would be slightly different versus like, you know, people speaking in, in the US, you know, in terms of how they speak Spanish. Like, you know, can you talk about, you know, oh, does gosh. that sort of, it, does that sort of hit you at times and like you know how do you sort of adjust to sort of you know uh, you, uh, you know embracing that and like communicating and normalizing mm -hmm. in ways where people sort of don't feel like they're left out right don't feel yeah. like you know they, they they don't they don't know the language yeah yeah well i think that's why i'm considered a gringa because my spanish is a lot more refined meaning like it's more um it's more refined because the way that I think about things kind of intellectually and more like academically, but also because whatever slang I had when I was a kid, it's gone. So whatever regional slang is gone. And so in this country, there's so many people who speak Spanish from so many different places and countries and that um, I think and I don't know if there's research on this, but maybe there is. Um, there's a way in which our Spanish here in the US becomes a little bit more universal. Mm -hmm. um, I've talked to some folks uh, about this, like from Colombia and Venezuela and you know what, what, um, Guatemala and different places. And we all mm -hmm. understand each other and we all speak a more neutral kind of Spanish because it's almost like a, it's interesting. It's like we were washing away some of that nuance uh -huh. so that we uh -huh. can then understand each other across cultures within the same language, right? Because if you go to other countries, Spanish is very different. Uh -huh. Even uh -huh. like the same words mean different things, right? Uh -huh. so, uh -huh. um, so that's what I would say that um, I think that's why I would be considered a gringa. I do miss, I do miss the slang. So when I do hang out with with friends who have that like raw, like every mm -hmm. other word is a curse word and a slang word, mm -hmm. I just feel mm -hmm. like oh, connected, you know, like yes. Mm -hmm. Right, right. <laughs> I do miss that actually. Um, and I, I've been thinking about like looking for TV shows that are kid appropriate that have mm -hmm. that level of like cultural nuance in the language as opposed to it being mm -hmm. translated because the when you see like the i don't know netflix 
thank goodness Netflix translates in many languages, but when you see Spanish translations in Netflix, mm -hmm. they're very liberal. And so mm -hmm. I understand what they're saying because I can literally translate in, mm -hmm. in Spanish and I'm like, oh, they mean it's this phrase in English. They just really translate mm -hmm. Spanish. Mm -hmm. But that mm -hmm. phrase in English makes no sense in the Spanish culture context. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. There's a completely different saying that you would say in mm -hmm. Mexico or Colombia or whatever mm -hmm. uh, that would capture that. That's not a direct literal translation, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so a lot gets lost in, in there as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. But I'm grateful that it's available for sure because at least it's something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know... And this takes me to that aspect of woke um, diversity, woke inclusion, woke, you know, aspect of saying, hey, you know what, we're giving you something, be grateful. We're giving you something, you know, so, you know, at least we are thinking about you. So, you know, be, be, you know, capitalism. to be fair, they're not doing it out of the kindness of their heart, right? We are like 35% of the population in the U.S. And I, and I, Spanish is the second most spoken, I think, if not Chinese, between Spanish, Chinese, and English, right, in the world. So as a business person, you would be shooting yourself in the foot if you did not become suddenly woke and inclusive. Um, so I, did, I do want to acknowledge that. I do think it's, um, it's an interesting opportunity to bridge, right, like to bridge some of the divide. So it's not going to solve for the systemic problems. And at the same time, it's um, bringing some awareness. Like if I did not have access to translated like um, content for my kiddo, mm -hmm. it would be really, really, really hard to expose them to Spanish because English is what we speak at home because we mm -hmm. speak three different languages, right? So, and then our world around us is all English speaking. So it would be really difficult uh, mm -hmm. for him to ever be exposed to Spanish, right? So so that's what I mean. But yes, it's definitely like, you know, double-edged sword. And we know it's, you know, capitalism as a best, you know? So right. <laughs> that's really right. acknowledging that as well. Um, mm -hmm. but, but, you know, once we're out of our home country, mm -hmm. our country of origin, we basically mm -hmm. have to take what we get. And that is part of the, right? That is part of the thing that can bring us together, but it's also part of the thing that can cause so much stress and mental health issues actually for immigrants, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because that not arriving at that full integration for whatever mm -hmm. very valid reasons mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. can be very, very stressful. Mm -hmm. Very, very stressful. Sure. Yeah. Th thank you for closing the loop. For yes, me. Because, yes, like, <laughs> because, you know, I want people to come to that conclusion by sort of listening to this conversation because like I want people to understand that, you know, it's just not about language. It's just not one thing that That's sort of right. impacts people. It's everything that sort of like, you know, when summed together, when you think about it, when you start becoming curious, all these 
aspect sort of impact you mentally and like you know that's why i feel like you know we need to sort of be more compassionate towards immigrants that's mm. why we feel like we need to be more compassionate towards you know how we sort of approach some of the policies that we make some of the you know uh, rules and regulations that we make you know that uh, you know impact people who are already sort of in a distressed state uh, to sort of cope and hang around and like you know deal 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 with some of these problems as well Yeah. Um, and just to say really quickly, Sanjay, that, you know, not all immigration is created equal. Of course, there's, you know, the trauma and stress of immigrating. To, I mean, just like being uprooted, you know, even if, quote unquote, by choice, right? Because there's all these push-pull factors. Right. There are reasons why folks migrate to other countries, period. Right. Or even within right. the country, other states, right? So right. we want to acknowledge right. that. And I think there is like a different level of privilege that comes with coming in like on different kinds of visas versus having to cross multiple borders and and not to get into like oppression Olympics or anything like that. And yet to, just to acknowledge that there's really like layers of like what it means to be an immigrant. Like it's not a monolith, right? And I think yep. that's part of what happens with the politics around like, yeah. you know, yeah. all immigrants are good or all immigrants are bad. Like it gets very, very weird because obviously there's a little bit of everything. We're all very diverse, but mm -hmm. like our immigrant paths and stories are going to be very, very different. And that doesn't mean one is better than the other or is more deserving mm -hmm. of the other, just to mm -hmm. say it's a very different, folks have different needs. And so the level of stress, the level of mental health awareness, the level of like privilege and intersectionality and insights and access to resources is going to be very different across different groups of folks mm -hmm. immigrating from all over the world right across very different situations so um mm -hmm. i'll stop there because i get very passionate but um but just to say you know it's not you know we're not a monolith and <laughs> right and we do also and at the same time have very shared kind of experiences that shape kind of extra layers of stress that we carry around mm -hmm. no matter how privileged we we might be mm -hmm. so i mean i'm so glad you mentioned not all immigration is the same expat is a term which is you know a privilege right somebody who's an expat has the privilege of moving somewhere and the luxury of saying hey you know what i get to go to different places and you know i'm stressed out But, but at the same time, you know, people who are like, you know, trying, you know, struggling to cross the border or like, you know, are being forced to cross the border, right? Because of certain situations yeah. that are at home, which are unstable, which are, you know, <laughs> there is political turmoil, there is familial turmoil, there is, you know, that there are issues with gangs and wars and, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and the economy being unstable. So, you know, um, definitely, I mean, it is... Uh, not something we should take lightly and you know all the immigration uh, all the immigrants should not be clubbed together in the mm -hmm. same sort of uh, bubble or same sort of uh, segment uh, so that way you know uh, you don't understand the the significance of the stress or the anxiety and the impact on the mental health when you don't talk about them individually and when you don't you know bring those voices out um, and ask them like you know what does it mean to be human right yeah and uh what okay 
Yeah, because uh, people talk about borders and uh, building walls. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I know. You know, it. it's so, um, I was going to say as I was listening to you, um, we carry this stuff in our body. And this, this trauma, these traumas that we carry, whether it's, you know, whatever kinds of traumas they might be, they are often generational. And I think there's like a shared outside of the immigration story that we, that we, stories that we hear in the U.S. There's like the, the historical traumas that a lot of our peoples have experienced around colonization and slavery and abuse for like hundreds and thousands of years. And so we carry that stuff in our bodies. Like, I feel it as I, I'm hearing you and seeing you, like, I, I feel it in my body, you know? And so that's why those, you know, quote unquote, alternative healing practices are so important because how is CBT or DBT going to address the fact that we are carrying trauma in our body, in our DNA? Right. You know, like how, like, how do we even right. begin to dismantle that, right? Right. Right. We can't. And again, nothing against CBT or DBT, but just to say it's just, you know, mm -hmm. square peg, round hole, you know, like it just, it's not going to work. Um, right. So a lot of the work has to be, you know, culturally attuned and um, a lot of the work has to be body work. Like I've most recently started doing a lot of body work, somatic work, and it's done right. me a world of good. Not, you know, right. no amount of therapy, no amount of, coaching and counseling and nothing right. was really addressing it mm -hmm. um, until I was able to do some integration. Like my, it's almost like that same harmony and stuff that I've been talking about. It's not just like mm -hmm. philosophical existential. It's at right. the body level. Like can my right. body, can my body actually heal, mm -hmm. you know, all those traumas? And hopefully not pass them on to the next generation. Right, right. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I just you know want to sort of hold and share space mm -hmm. for all those people you know who are at the border, and you know uh, they're just wishing that the judge who sees them has a good day. The lawyer. <laughs> Mm. The lawyer who who is fighting for them has a good day. They find the, the case at the right time. So, you know, they find the decision that goes in their favor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think what I'm also picking up on, Sanjay, you're not saying this, but is that like my success is your success, my suffering is your suffering, right? Mm -hmm. And so we do carry that around as well, right? Like we do carry that around. Other people's suffering, no matter what bubble we live in, it impacts us. Right. Whether we are consciously aware, I mean, some of us are more attuned to that, and I can really sense that you are really attuned to this, and you carry that with you. 
Um, but not every one of us wants to be attuned. Actually, some of us just rather live in our bubble, which is totally right. fine, I guess. But yeah, like your suffering is my suffering and my suffering is yours, you know, and like, but also my success and your success, right? Um, and again, I think that's also part of like more of a, that collective mental health, wellness, harmony, mm -hmm. what we're mm -hmm. talking about, that traditional quote unquote modalities just don't address. It just, it, there's no room for that. Um. You know, one thing that I wanted to bring up was lack of awareness and access, mm. right? Today, I realized that um, people don't know how to sort of deal with this. And like, um, so, you know, my question to you is how can we make people more aware? Mm. The other thing is access because, you know, therapy is so expensive. You know, people can't afford rent. People can't afford food. People can't afford, you know, their mobile bills, right? I'm just trying to sort of get your perspective on like how can we make it more accessible? How can mm -hmm. we, you know, build this sense of awareness in people that you know you have options, you have choices, you know, you there are things that you can do about it. That's mm -hmm. what yeah, and I have a number of resources. I'm happy to share them with you, and then you can post them so that folks can access for sure. Mm -hmm. And you know, mm -hmm. there's things like 211.org, there's calhope.org. This is a warm line. Um, mm -hmm. there's also like a new movement and I don't have it memorized, but I think it's like therapist of color or something like that. But there's a few, uh, organizations or like group practices that are providing mental health services, um, in, within a sliding scale to diverse individuals. And they specialize mm -hmm. in like different intersectionalities, like people of color or women or LGBTQ plus. And so I'm happy to share those and you can post them. Mm -hmm. And given like the depth of our conversation today and just to kind of highlight how I think about this, um, not that it's necessarily the, the best or the right way, but this is just how I've arrived. And again, this is me coming from being a psychologist, really loving being one, owning it, like, you know, I'm not disavowing, you know, being a psychologist. I love being a psychologist. Um, but to say that these kind of services um, while great and also challenging to access sometimes for diverse people, mm -hmm. may not, you know, also, period, may not be what people need. And so mm -hmm. who are we to say that therapy is actually the answer mm -hmm. or that medication is the answer? And again, I'm not anti-medication. I think there's a room and space for that. And some folks really mm -hmm. do need it. Mm -hmm. uh, so why why do we go there? You know, we mm -hmm. go to a place of like bringing access to specific. And I agree. I think there should be parity between behavioral health and physical health. I think there should be equity and access. Everyone mm -hmm. should have access to services and resources, regardless of their ability to pay. All those things. Like I totally agree. But right. what about other? Again, what about something else like spirituality or? What about uh, nature or what about connecting with people? What about mm -hmm. peer support? Mm -hmm. What about um, just so many things I can't even think of? Um, tapping into some of those, you know, cultura cura concepts like Ayurveda mm -hmm. or yoga or acupuncture mm -hmm. or Reiki or, you know, um, drum circles or sweat lodges or whatever it is that folks might need to feel connected to the earth, to feel connected to each other, to feel well, you know? Uh -huh. Uh 
Um, and so I think that, yeah, I, I wish we could make more space. And I think we are in some circles, like just making a little bit more space for what people might need to access and how we even define mental health and wellness. Like is mental health and wellness the absence of symptoms? Because that feels uh -huh. kind of weird because, you know, uh -huh. who doesn't uh -huh. feel anxious and sad and frustrated? Right. You know, right. like that, uh -huh. is that the standard? Because that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Or uh -huh. is, is it more about like being integrated into your community, feeling well most of the time and finding ways to cope with life? That's what I would say personally. Uh -huh. If that's uh -huh. the case, there may be 10 different ways you can arrive at that. One of them might mm -hmm. be therapy. Another mm -hmm. one might be jogging or gardening. I don't know. So mm -hmm. I think how we define it and how, you know, how we, you know, think about the problem is going to shape what solutions we come up with. And so if we, you know, focus on the pathology, then the solution is going to be the medical model and like, you know, mm -hmm. um, imposing certain perspectives on certain groups of people that may or may not resonate. Mm -hmm. Um but what if we just thought about it a little more differently in terms of like connection and, you know, figuring out what we need. And again, therapy uh, might very well, you know, therapy and medication may exactly be what we need and that's great and awesome. Uh -huh. And then what else, you know? Correct. So, yeah. um, I'm not sure if that answers the question, but <laughs> I get no, excited. I, I, no, I think, you know, um, I, I'm glad you're bringing this up, right? Somebody said, you know, let's not forget the basics, sleep, rest, yeah. uh, you know, uh, uh, exercise, you know, uh, connection, relationships. Yes. You know, let, let's get the basics right. That, that was something somebody else mentioned. That's right. I'm glad you mentioned alternatives. I'm glad you mentioned, you know, understanding how you connect to nature, how your body connects to nature, how, you know, how can you improve your connection to yourself? How, how do you sort of get yourself more aware uh, from that mm -hmm. standpoint and seeing, you know, and you talked about somatic breathing and like, you know, how you can sort of regulate your breathing better to sort of, you know, see, you know, if you can understand yourself better in terms of different situations. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, and some of the questions I'm asking, I feel like don't need to have specific answers. They can go in tangents, and there is a reason why we want to go into tangents. Well, because... I'm the right person for a tangent, so there you go. <laughs> because I feel like you know, um, the way we go about solving these problems is by going into tangents and seeing what are other ways we can sort mm -hmm. of come up with solutions. Outside the to box, yeah, exactly. You know, it's a exactly. big problem, and so it requires like creative outside the book solutions, right? If, if the solutions we have worked, we wouldn't have a problem, <laughs> right? Definitely. So we have to really tackle it from all angles. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it, just one last thing I will say with, you know, therapy being a great, you know, I've benefited from therapy for many years. So I, again, mm -hmm. just want to say huge proponent, totally mm -hmm. think it's, it can be, it can be really healing and helpful, especially if you find the right person. But part of the challenge too, with some of this, um, is bringing diversity into who is providing services. So, right, and right. so there is a pipeline issue, as you can imagine, just like the for all the reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Oppression, mm -hmm. isms, you know, mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's hard to find folks that look like us that have shared experiences the way that we do um, yes. and provide services that make sense for us. So, even if mm -hmm. therapy was the answer for whatever mm -hmm. goals that particular individual, 
Yes. It's hard to find the right fit because yes. you really need folks to appreciate and understand the intersectionality, the ecological ways in which all these different things mm -hmm. make, create mental health and wellness or destroy mm -hmm. it. And like, Correct. and unless you are someone, and it doesn't have to be a, like the exact same background, but unless you're someone with a shared understanding of what it means to be othered, really, uh, mm -hmm. in this country, it's going mm -hmm. to be really hard to um, connect with that therapist or psychologist. Mm -hmm. And thus, it's going to be hard to benefit from those services, right? So, mm -hmm. but those same systems, you know, keep folks out of, well, there's different things at play, but I think all the things uh, that we talked about and more prevent certain folks um, from getting into the field. Mm -hmm. For sure. Becoming therapists or psychologists themselves, right? So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's also like a really, for those reasons and many others, there's like a good opportunity for peer support, which I know you mm -hmm. provide and also coaching services, right? Again, assuming folks are ethical and like, they're not just saying they're coaches and like pitching, you know, like pitching a stand, right. a pitching stand right. without any insight or ethical, you know, kind of practice. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's some really good coaches out there who are trying to get trained and, 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 and do the work to provide good care for folks. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's room for everything. We mm -hmm. just need to know who needs what, you know, and not just go to the the one potential solution to the very complex problem. Definitely. Um, yeah. So, you know, one thing that I'm doing is like, you know, trying to ask people to be more inclusive. Like, what are some things that for one you do when you get that feel that sense of overwhelm or feel that sense of anxiety? Like, what are some things that you can mm -hmm. that people can say to themselves? you know, coming from you or like what are something that people can do in those situations so that, you know, they can feel you know, less of that sense of anxiety before they act on it or like, mm -hmm. you know, before they sort of react to situations where, you know, they would be better off when they respond to them as well. So, yeah. Yeah. So I can share a little bit about all the different things that I've done, which have led to me being in a place where I can take in all of these mm -hmm. other things, if that makes sense. And first of all, um, perhaps ironically or paradoxically, um, I was in therapy for many years and that really helped me mm -hmm. just kind of level set, you know, because of all the stuff that I was carrying around from this mm -hmm. lifetime and, you know, just generationally, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it really helped me. I also at some point did some coaching and that was really helpful. And again, this is coming from a place of privilege. So I'm aware that this is not accessible to everyone, but I promise I'll get to like what might be accessible. Um, I've, I talked to a lot of folks. I have like close mm -hmm. groups of people that I share and it's not like, you know, pseudotherapy, but just like connection, you know, just mm -hmm. like there is a room and place for that, yeah. yep. you know? And then of course being, you know, have, having a loving partner and, you know, just feeling very privileged to have all those supports that I need, but also being willing to accept support mm -hmm. and help, which, which took me, which therapy helped me get to. Right. So it's kind of mm -hmm. like these building blocks, right. Because a mm -hmm. lot of the stuff that, you know, I was carrying around was around like just self-sufficiency and doing things on my own. And then I realized like I was very wrong, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I needed to learn how to trust and like let mm -hmm. go of some of that stuff. Right. And that's why therapy had a really good place 
in that season of my life. And then, mm-hmm. you know, just really integrating like how um, how I take care of myself, right? And again, mm-hmm. um, some of this, you know, is coming from a place of privilege, but some of it, it's like, I do, a, I walk a lot. I just mm-hmm. walk a lot. I really need to walk and that's what I do. I also mm-hmm. read a lot. I love reading. Mm-hmm. I'm like in three different book clubs. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be if you don't want to, but you know, reading is what I like to do. Um, mm-hmm. And then I have started practicing like more like mindful eating where I'm like only eating when I'm hungry and I'm noticing a huge difference mm-hmm. in my mood. My, you know, I was so tired all the time. I feel a lot more energy. Um, mm-hmm. And that's fairly simple and free. Like you just eat when you're hungry, you know, mm-hmm. it's a lot more complicated than that, but, but mm-hmm. that's thing I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then most recently just tapping into that somatic kind of mind body stuff. So I like go to the chiropractor and I practice Reiki and mm-hmm. Reiki is again, free and like accessible to folks. Um, or it can mm-hmm. be not always. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's basically like a meditative practice for me, Reiki. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I mean, I do massage and things like that, but again, I think that that, that is coming from being in a place of privilege. Um, but anything you can do for your body that makes you feel good, like some people might like to swim or mm-hmm. um, meditate or run or garden. Some people really mm-hmm. enjoy gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the kinds of things that I would recommend. And of course, breathing, breathing being like mm-hmm. so important, but also like underrated, like if to just, if nothing else, when mm-hmm. getting overwhelmed, just, but part of it is like, how does one become aware that we're overwhelmed before it gets, it becomes too late, right? But right. there's a way to practice kind of like noticing, okay, these are certain situations that stress me out and I know I'm going to be freaking out, maybe do some preemptive breathing and just mm-hmm. like pause, like in between meetings or whatever, before mm-hmm. you transition from work to picking up your kid or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Just taking, you know, a couple of deep breaths can be really, really helpful. For sure. Um, and, you know, one sort of saying in Spanish that you're inspired by, or like one thing that, you know, when you hear that, you you get that sense of hope, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah. Um, and the... you please translate it as well, because like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, yeah. Well, you know, this is kind of cliche and uh, overused, but like si se puede really resonates with me. Um, and again, not from like, and which means yes, we can, uh, not from like a toxic, like resiliency place of like, we just have to keep at it, but rather from a place of like acknowledging um, that we are strong and that being able to be vulnerable is also a sign of strength and just recognizing when we need help um because we can't do it ourselves so even, even though like you know yes we can do it but mm-hmm. we can't do it alone you know like we we need other people um mm-hmm. to help us um get through it yeah uh, for sure and uh my, my hope is like you know people who are in those identities specifically in those minorities right uh, who are listening in f- feel that sense of belonging for one for two understand that you know we we see all the struggle like you were saying right i mean like yeah. everybody's suffering is our suffering everybody's success is our success mm-hmm. right and and I want to ask you to summarize this call because if somebody wants to uh, uh, sort of want to listen to this, let them listen through 
the entire thing because like i feel like you know there are so many things to take away from this conversation i hope people get curious i hope people ask more questions and i hope you know we we can sort of build more awareness around you know being more inclusive more diverse and more um you know equitable sort of environment where you know people uh, learn um about mental health better and you know managing their own sort of mental health uh, mm-hmm. on a day to day basis so yeah and i would just say like we all have mental health just mm-hmm. like we all have physical health right so maybe with that awareness just like one for a small step might be to just tap into what that means right for folks and then maybe pick mm-hmm. one thing one thing you can realistically do to take care of mm-hmm. yourself because i know self care can be overused as well but like what can, what is the one thing you could do daily mm-hmm. that might get you closer to some sort of harmony or something around mm-hmm. your mental mm-hmm. health wellness yeah thank you thank you for sharing that yeah i mean the 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 whole call has been mind blowing and you know like you say like there was a bunch of emotions as well because you know it's just that you know we need to have more of these conversations and i mm-hmm. wish you know uh, you know this inspires more people to have more conversations on this as well so yeah well i'm glad you're doing this on jane you know let's let's take the show on the road and hopefully folks um do feel inspired to share and connect and heal together right like i think if we just bring that awareness mm-hmm. we're more likely to get one step closer than if we're like in the shadows right and i think that's part of what mental illness if you will creates mm-hmm. is shadows and secrets and you know folks hiding from whatever for very good reasons and that just makes it worse but when you shine light on it and that's again just to round it out why act i i really enjoy act because it's really shining a light on just accepting the fact that this is what it is and not hiding from it and that in itself is so liberating that it it actually pushes through some of the barriers around um the shame the guilt the all the the bad feelings that we might feel about what what is going on with us whether it's you know anxiety depression trauma etc cetera, etc cetera, right so to just normalize it really just normalizes it as humans this is part of the human condition it's meant to be this way mm-hmm. you know you know we don't have to beat ourselves over it we can just accept um and be okay you know and of course accept and be okay being very difficult to do <laughs> but <laughs> but it is possible to do 